Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Hi, I'm Ron Huntley, your host, and welcome to the show. Leadership and learning go hand in hand. Should my time as a coach be spent with young priests with a long future ahead of them or experienced priests with influence? What's your opinion? My experience tells me that my time is best spent with people passionate about growing in their leadership and still want to make a big difference for the kingdom. And that is less about age and more about attitude. Today's guest is 28-year-old associate priest, Father Declan McNicholas. Enjoy the conversation. Lift off when the clock has started. Hello and welcome. I'm with special guest, Father Declan McNicholas in St. John, Indiana. Hey, Ron. It's good to be here. Thanks welcome. for having me on the podcast. It's so fun to be able to do this. Father Declan has just become an associate pastor of the parish that I have the privilege to work with in a partnership. And so it's fun to get to know you. It's going to be really an exciting year. Oh my gosh, yeah. I just came here July 1, reassigned to St. John's, and I'm super excited to all of a sudden hearing that Ron Huntley's going to be coaching us and everything else. I can't wait to really, you know, be able to be a part of this. Super exciting. Oh, that's so cool. I'd love for you to share with our listeners a little bit about your formation this far in terms of your priesthood. Yeah, isn't it so true? Because I think sometimes when we say like, oh, what was your formation? At least to like priests, you know, young priests, we just immediately think like the seminary formation. And in reality, I think you speak to that so beautifully when we talk about like, no, we're constantly being formed and constantly learning. Like we need to have that mindset. So I think you really speak into it. But uh, yeah, no, a little bit about like the history of my formation up to this point, like you said, uh, it started, uh, you know, I went to uh, school, obviously growing up grade school, high school then. But then uh, I actually entered college seminary. So after I graduated high school at 18, I went to college seminary with the mindset of I'm going because God is like, you know, a whole long vocation story, but God's like, I feel this like call, but I don't want it. So I went in so I could answer the call. So I could say like, no, I'm not smart enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not good enough to be a priest. And I could leave and then go do what I wanted to do. So I went in like, you know, like with this opposite mindset, right? And just like, God, I'm just going to go to prove to myself that you're actually not calling me. And it took a long time. It took me five years to really get to the point where it's all of a sudden went from that to being, no, I think God's calling me to this. And like, this is where I'm going to find joy Hmm. was in this. So I went to college seminary in Indianapolis, Indiana, uh, Bishop Simon Brute, which is connected to Marion University. So shout out to all the guys that went to Brute. After that, I then went to Mundelein Seminary, Northside Chicago, uh, and I spent. I went to theology there, so that's kind of where I went to seminary and everything else. Uh, I got ordained two years ago now, so in 2019, I was ordained a priest for the Diocese of Gary uh, in a hot cathedral. We don't have air conditioning in our cathedral. <laughs> ordained July 1st, or and June 1st. it's hot here. Oh, oh today, man. right? Oh, my gosh. And you know, you're in the vestments all that stuff I was just like drenching in sweat but anyway well that's a whole nother story right (laughs) (laughs) but then uh, I was assigned to St. Thomas More in Munster as the associate pastor Mm. and kind of a fun little thing is so right after I got ordained our bishop was reassigned to a new diocese and so we didn't have a bishop coming in so the place or the consultors they get together this whole process in canon law 
that you have to elect somebody to kind of be the administrator, a priest that's the administrator so of the diocese. So you became the bishop right away. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> but my pastor of where I was assigned took on that role. So I showed up July 1st for the assignment, and I think like July 5th or even maybe before that, he was named administrator, and all of a sudden it's like, yeah, you're going to be doing a lot because every day I'm going to the chancery, I'm going to the pastoral center, doing like, you know, doing all the stuff the bishop has to do, you know, and just managing different things, which was a huge, I, it was a huge blessing because, oh, neat. Yeah. as you know, Ron, I like to do things. I'm a, I'm a go-getter kind of guy. So it's just like, I didn't want to just be like, oh, I'm just going to go say mass, hear confession. Like, no, I wanted to jump in. And because of that, like all of a sudden I was doing a whole lot of stuff at this big parish. So that happened for a little while. So I was at St. Thomas More for two years. In the midst, 10 months after getting ordained, the pandemic hit. Oh, yeah. Shut the church, like, just, like, craziness within all that. And, uh, you know, so a fun little thing then is, like, in the midst of that, right before that happened, we got a new bishop, Bishop McClory. And I, uh, if I didn't go to seminary, so kind of backing up, if I left seminary, didn't go, I wanted to go into business and either economics or something like that. That's kind of, I did a minor in economics when I was in college. And if I'd left seminary, that's what I was planning on doing. Um, so I approached the new bishop and uh, with the idea of going to school online for an MBA, a nonprofit, ecclesial nonprofit, which I presented a couple different programs. And he actually pushed me towards one at St. Thomas University in Houston, Texas, which is a master's of ecclesial administration and management. Um, yeah, so actually, I just finished that actually about two weeks ago. I turned in my last paper. It felt good. Thanks. So it's just like really cool experiences, like in the midst of being a priest, like, mm-hmm. you know, newly ordained priest, young guy that the bishop's kind of giving me these opportunities and then even just getting reassigned then after two years at Thomas More, kind of a natural thing that guys get reassigned after about two years to get a couple of experiences. Yeah. Uh, getting the opportunity to come here to St. John the Evangelist. Like there's just so many opportunities available uh, with you, with Father Sammy, the pastor, with the staff, and then the parishioners. It's just amazing. So, Well, even the first time I met you, I remember you were really, you, because you did have that experience in your MBA, to talk about leadership issues. And so even as we very first met and began to talk, you got that stuff. And you were so excited to be at a place where you can then apply it and we could actually have those conversations. And I found that really unique as we met right away. I just thought, wow, this is going to be fun because you you have some perspectives and understandings that other people might not get a chance to be exposed to. And I'm excited for you. Yeah, yeah. no, thanks. Yeah. yeah, no, I remember that first meeting, that Zoom meeting we had and you know, I was in my office and it's like, yeah, I think we were scheduled for like 25 minutes or something. And it ended up being like 50 minutes. I remember at one point I was like, do you have something to do? Like I was enjoying the conversation so much. I was like, I don't want to hold you up, man. But like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, I could tell we were going to have a ton of fun. One of the other things as you shared your story with me that I thought was so good for people to hear is, and, and I, I often hear that, like some people do feel this call to the priesthood right away and know what they want to do. But I would say probably 50% of the men I talk to also feel that they're probably not a good fit, but yet feel this call, not sure what to do, and then find, well, I'll try it out, but I'm probably not the guy. And so I think that's really neat for people to hear who might be sensing that call on their heart, be a priest, and to at least begin that discernment process. What advice would you have for them if there's somebody listening right now, a young man, and he's thinking, well, I'm not sure, but maybe I need to be sure before I even try it. Yeah. No, I think that's what, um, because the turning point for me, actually, so I was a senior in high school, and I was actually applied to go to Purdue University, and also to the seminary. And I was hoping 
the diocese would solve my issues. Like God would solve it by like not accepting me to the seminary because I told my, you know, I'm not good enough. I'm not holy enough. I'm not smart enough. Like all these things. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, this is my solution. The diocese will just kind of say like, no, thank you. But no, thank you, Declan. You're not that yeah. you're not good enough for us sort of thing. And uh, unfortunately I got accepted at both and I had to make a decision. I remember I was going to the vocation director's office and say like, you know what, but I can't do this. Like, it's not, I just, I don't think this is for me, but I'm feeling this call. And he told me something that I just would share, I guess, yeah, with please. those young men is, you know, Declan, like you can, yeah, go do whatever you want. Like, I'm, I, I'm not going to control your life. That's not helpful in any way. He's like, the only way you're going to truly be able to answer that question is by going to the seminary because they're going to give you a spiritual director. You're going to be among other men who are discerning. So going to seminary is not like, closing the door saying, oh, you're getting ordained. Rather, it's entering into a time of discernment. And then just statistically, I have a really hard time saying that word. <laughs> it's a tricky word. <laughs> statistically. Statistically, uh, I think if you enter as a freshman in college seminary, 75% of the men leave. Only right. 25 get ordained. So it's like there's not this sense when you're there. Pressure. Like pressure, or... you have to get ordained, which is freeing to yeah. be able to truly say, like, this is what I want. And I needed that community of other men who were, like, asking that question, like, what is God wanting from me? Because yeah. I don't know. I feel like most people my age don't have a group of friends that help them in that. Right. You know? Yeah. It's the last thing on their mind, perhaps, in some instances. And what I love in what you're saying, too, is the church is giving you freedom. Like, the church wants to give us freedom. There's freedom in Christ. It's the Son has set you free. You're free indeed. So there is no pressure in this. And the church really does want to discern God's will for your life so that you'll be filled with joy and impact and passion and purpose, not to, ah, ha, ha, we got you or anything like that. It's not yeah. any of that. It's like, no, this respect for your dignity, the relationship you have with Jesus and the voice of God that speaks to your heart, it really wants to help you discern that. So there's nothing to be afraid of. Yeah. And I think the word that just resonates with me so much is joy. Like mm. the church, but God wants joy in our life. Like God is not a God that's going to like, oh, I want you to be miserable, right? He wants a life that's going to be full of joy and following him, like in whatever, big or small, right? Like give yeah. you the smallest little thing, but also in the vocation that God has called you to and like the state of life you're in, like he wants that joy. So if we follow God, we're going to find joy. So it's just, that's the cool part, I think, like, and it's getting to that point sometimes. It's sometimes hard because we don't see it always, right? But like God wants us to be happy. He wants us to find true joy. Amen. I love that. And so you take a look at, um, I, I think this is an amazing church. I remember when Father Sammy and his team joined Divine Renovation. And, and at one point I got a chance to coach them. And I'm just so excited because I believe in these guys so much because they are trying to do things differently. Why don't you speak into some of your experience so far in terms of what you're seeing and, and what you can get excited about. Yeah, no, there's, I think it just like, so I'm, I've been here, I think I'm seven weeks in. So when we, uh, when we're, you know, when you're listening to this or when I'm recording this, right, with Ron here, it's about seven weeks into my time here. So I'm very, very new to the, to the organization here of St. John's, the parish. But what I'm most excited about is both the opportunities, but like on a bigger level, the leadership that they have here, like the structure they kind of have in place in which like, kind of uh, Father Moletta has a leadership team built around him and like these people that are willing to speak into his ministry and he's able to speak into theirs and really giving the ability for people to truly, you know, use the talents and the gifts that God has given them to expand St. John's and the ministry of the church. Because you look at a place like this and there's no way one person, like it's not just one person or a few people doing it. It's because you empowered so many people that amazing things can happen. And so that's what I'm excited about is because there's so many both opportunities to enter into different things, 
but then also opportunities, I think, for me to use the gifts that God has given me and like what he's endowed me with to then to better the church and then obviously to learn and everything else that comes with that. But just some of those great opportunities that I see. Isn't that so cool? And, and for those of you that are listening, it's so beautiful because Father Sammy's kind of approaching 70. And he said to me, and I just thought it was so beautiful, Ron, I realize if we're going to hit the next level of impact that God wants to have in our church, then I've got to grow. Like I will be an obstacle unless I'm willing to learn and grow and shift and change. And honestly, Father Declan, like I got so excited about that because I thought that is an attitude of an absolute hero. Like I want to be that guy my whole life that has that attitude that Father Sammy has. Is that I, I said to him, it's kind of like Jordan Spieth, the golfer. He was winning championship. He, was, he looked like he was going to be on top of his game forever. And then he disappeared for seven years. And then he started winning again. And it was so cool hearing his story because he had to deconstruct his swing and rebuild it again from scratch. And I think so often in leadership for pastors, you can, you can get a certain level of success, a certain level of impact, and then you just stay there. And it really does. We do have to allow ourselves to unlearn things and be rebuilt as leaders if we're going to have the next wave of impact in our vocation as leaders in the priesthood and in parishes. And he really embraces that. But one of the things I also love about being here is, you know, he has three people on his leadership team in their 20s. I don't think I've been at a parish where I'm not the youngest person in like the leadership roles. Like, so I'm 28, I'll be 29 soon, but it's just like, I am not the youngest. I'm actually like the, what would it be? I'm the third oldest. I'm like, so for better or worse, but super exciting, right? Like, it's crazy. It's so crazy. And those people deserve to be there. Like they have leadership chops. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They're way better than me in so many areas. It's amazing to see these, you know, these young men, right? Like, it's like, holy cow, you are such a leader in, your, in what you do in your area. It's so amazing. And then, of course, we have Chris on the team, and she's just a real go-getter and brings incredible wisdom to that team, too. So I love how Father Sammy has surrounded himself by amazing people. And the truth is, there's approximately a million amazing people in this parish. And so it's, sometimes it's difficult to discern and choose. And, and I'd say to the people in churches where the pastor is willing to lead out of a team, a leadership team is designed to come around the gifts of the pastor to help. As we often say there's no such thing as a well-rounded leader, but there can be well-rounded teams. And so it doesn't mean that the people around the pastor in whatever season you're in are the best people or the holiest people or the smartest people. They were just trying to find the right fit to help that pastor make better decisions more consistently over the long run because the leadership team's there to, to help make decisions so that we can free up people to do the very things that God's calling them to do and be, not to control things. And I just want to share that with people because sometimes people think, oh, that's a secret group that meets and they have all this control. No, they're trying to unleash people in other ministries and stuff. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, it's fascinating because I think it's coming at a different angle because it's not just people that are in charge or like, you know, oh, I have all the power. But when you bring it up and I'm seeing it kind of materialize here, again, I'm new to this. Like yeah. I knew here at the parish, but also new to ministry. Obviously I'm a young man, but um, it's seeing that you build a team that kind of complements some of blind spots in leaders, right? Like, and using like the strengths and stuff of like, okay, so the strengths of this leader, like, yeah, we might not need a bunch of other people on the leadership team with those same strengths. We want to kind of complement those strengths, which means what are those blind spots? And I think 
seeing a leadership team that's well-rounded or any sort of team is exactly what you're saying. It's well-rounded because of kind of being very intentional about saying like, this is a strength that you have, and this is a strength you don't have. And I need to kind of fulfill that strength and, you know, looking for myself into the future, right? Like hopefully have a long, you know, career, if you want to say that long ministry life ahead of me and, you know, moving into being a pastor or whatever that is to be able to be intentional myself in saying like, yeah, I have strengths, but also I have a lot of weaknesses. And I need to identify those people that complement my strength and, you know, kind of fulfill where I'm weak and bring them around me to kind of say like, because I don't want those blind spots. None of us do. And we're blind to them. <laughs> it's like we have a log in our eye. We should have wrote a scripture on something oh, like wait. that. wait. <laughs> yeah, I think Jesus said something about that, right, Ron? <laughs> it's so true. So why don't you share with us, what are some of the things that you're learning about yourself? So when we're talking about strength, we're specifically talking about using the tool of Clifton Strength Finders and, and any pest assessment to understand our charisms and our strengths and weaknesses. But why don't you share for me some of the things that you've learned about yourself so far? Yeah, no, that is a fascinating tool. I, I, so I took this when I was in seminary. Uh, I was on an internship and I took that many years ago, maybe like six years ago, which I guess is not many. Depends on what your definition of many is. But uh, I actually couldn't find, like I couldn't get the whole list. So I retook it when I got here, which was cool because my top five strengths they are all the same. They just got reordered, right. which my top one became discipline. It was, I think, my second one. But discipline is my top strength. And this past week, talking a lot about it, what I've come to realize, like, it's fascinating because I have such a desire for order and for structure, and I see and I exist in structure. And when I don't, like, when I'm, like, a meeting or with hanging out with friends, like, even friendships have structure in my life. Like, that's how much I like structure which can be the downside, right? Like, so we talk about, it. I'm sure you've shared about the, the balcony in the basements, I'm sure. No, yeah. Sure. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, no. So Ron's been like just breaking it open. Like the balcony are those, like the good parts of that, of that discipline or of that strength, right? So like discipline has order and structure and you can speak into it and I can form it. So I know people who have it. The basement can be like, you can't exist when there's not structure. That could be a basement thing. And for me, I definitely see that as like the negative, right? The shortcomings of that, dis- of that, of that strength. But so discipline, just him kind of speaking into that this past week and me reflecting on it and praying about it these last five days is just like, wow, this explains like when I'm in a meeting and I don't see structure and all of a sudden we're going on a tangent, I might enjoy the topic, but because the structure is not there, I just shut down or I get angry. And it's like recognizing, it's helpful for me to recognize like, okay, I need that or I desire it. But when it's not there, like this is what I'm going to go to. So I need to be conscious of that as well. So it's just been really cool. That's so fun because what's cool about that, oftentimes our strengths, because we didn't do anything to deserve them, we didn't sign up for them, we didn't do a course on them, God just endowed us with them. And so because it's the air we breathe and other people don't see it, sometimes we can judge people. It's like, what's the matter with you? And we can judge people. But one of the things I realized, because I would judge people all the time, didn't know I was doing it, didn't mean to, it wasn't my intention. I would just find myself, I consider myself average. And if I'm average and you don't see what I see, then you're deficient. What's the matter with you? And, and, and I think we do that naturally. And it's, oh, yeah. It's a terrible disposition. <laughs> I feel like that's part of like just sin, right? Like, <laughs> between like pride, comparing ourselves to others, like, you know what I mean? But like putting that definition to it, because you're right, like it's so true. I see myself as completely average. Right. So when somebody doesn't live up to what I consider average, it's like, what the heck? Like, who are you? So I love that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's our shared experience. And, and what I love to see when people have this language in teams, then you can own your frustration. And then you could literally say, my discipline is really forcing me to check out right now. Remember, guys, we said we we're going to do this and I feel like we're on a tangent. And then people on the team can laugh and go, 
oh, ha, 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 there's Mr. Discipline, but actually he's right, let's get back on track. And so you can use your gift and your strength and the language around it to pay attention to your gut or your checking out or your emotions when you're in meetings, and then instead of backing away from it, lean into it. Because it's there. When we lean into it and share it with others, we make everybody around us better. Yeah, no, and it's you like you talk about the language side of it. Like the strengths give us a language because I think sometimes maybe this is just my experience in Catholics, right? Like we, sometimes we're like hesitant of these like of Clifton Strength Finders or Apest or um, Myers Briggs, like all these like personalities, like these things. We're like, oh, I don't know, not holy enough. Yeah, exactly, right. And so, but what's like it gives a language because on any sort of relationship, team, whatever it is, there's going to be conflict. And so what you talk about is like that language helps us diffuse conflict and deal with it appropriately. Because if I don't have that knowledge of I desire so much, you know, um, structure, yes. and when I don't have it, I'm getting frustrated. Now I'm not frustrated at somebody. I'm frustrated with an experience and I can deal with that and I can talk about that. But if I'm just frustrated and I can't put identify why I am, then it's easy to say, like, come on, Ron, why aren't you, why don't we, you know, have a struggle? You know, it's just like, I'm mad at you then. And yes, so I think it's, it, it becomes personal. Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah, and it's true. And, and here's the thing. Like, you might not say anything to me, but I'll pick it up on the way you look at me. I'll pick it up on your body language. I'll, I'll pick it up in all kinds of ways. And it becomes this passive-aggressive, I'm just going to treat somebody like crud without saying anything because I'm a Christian, so I don't want to say anything. And <laughs> so true. <laughs> and so I hope they... I hope they get it through osmosis. I hope they get it through the way I look at them or I'm ignoring them or how slow I'm getting back to them through email. And that just leads to a toxic culture. Yeah. And what a, what a terrible place to work. Yeah. And then just even exploring that more, just my experiences, like the confessional and stuff, like yeah. husbands and wives and families, like, man, it can be sometimes so toxic just because they're talking past each other. Yeah. And it's so helpful. In fact, that's one of the tools that we used to use, and I don't know if they still do at St. Benedict Parish, but it's part of marriage prep uh, because opposites attract, but then opposites also really drive you crazy. And so <laughs> you have a language to say, you know, your, your discipline is really taking the fun out of my vacation right now to your spouse. And they're like, oh, okay, fair enough. But then you can negotiate. Yeah. It's not a matter of you need to completely conform to what I want but we need to get to some sort of agreement. And we do that through, I think, our strengths as well. <laughs> That's right. And so to have that language, and it helps me to accept other people and not judge them, but also to accept myself. Because if, if you think you're average, I want you to know something, you're dead wrong. God's endowed you with unbelievable strengths and capacity and insights and intuition and ability to learn. Like These strengths are your superpowers to be used for good. And if, if you just think you're average, you're wrong. You're made a genius in a particular way. And, these, and once you understand that, it's like, oh, I, I didn't actually know everybody else couldn't do this. I didn't know I was actually really good at something. And I know for me, that was a big eye opener. Yeah, and that's so, like, so consistent with our Catholic and Christian theology, right? Like we are made in the image and likeness of God as an individual, not as just a collective whole. And like God has blessed you and created you, Ron. He's created me. He's created each one of us so uniquely. And like some of these like cliff and strengths or all these other things kind of helps us identify this is how God has specifically blessed you in a unique way. It's beautiful. Yeah, it really is. That's so much fun. So Father Declan, I want to put you on the spot for a second. This is tricky. And I, and, and I want to preface the, the question with this isn't the definitive answer. I just want to get your experience in terms of 
formation and seminary and associate priest, what are some things that you're learning, experiencing? And, and true, I know you're new to all this and stuff, but what are some of the things that you think, boy, it'd be neat if other people had certain opportunities. What are some of the things that you think would be helpful for young men as they're, you know, as they get ordained and begin to be formed that, that you're learning? Yeah. I think just off the top, like off the top of my head, because yeah, you didn't prep me for this one. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> this is authentic Declan right here. <laughs> is um, giving space for like the newly ordained priests, like my experience here is like, to kind of take those risks and to, like as Father Sammy tells me, it's like I, I want you to fail in one sense because it's in failing that we grow and we kind of learn and because it shows that I took a risk, right? It's easy to play it safe and uh, I'm learning how to do that. By no means am I like, oh yeah, I'm going to go out and fail, right? Like that's hard and it's very difficult, but I think it's giving that space because then it gives me opportunities not to tell myself, oh, I shouldn't do this because the pastor is going to get mad at me because it's not going to turn out right. It's going to be like, well, how could I do this better? And then just the experiences just being here. And then, you know, some of the other parish, my previous parish as well, but just those experiences of like, here, I want you to kind of take, you know, this under your wings, like kind of make it my own. So I'm thinking right here at uh, St. John the Evangelist, you know, right, before, right when I showed up actually before, he's like, I want you to re-envision, you know, kind of help re-envision what RCA, RCIA, Rite of Christian Initiation for Adults, is going to look like because, you know, every parish does it a little differently. Also, sometimes it just doesn't work well because people's lives are messy, right? So trying to come up with like systems, all that stuff. So just like giving those opportunities, I think are so important as I'm learning how to be a leader, as I'm learning how to minister to people, because I'm giving real concrete experiences. So yeah, when I was in seminary, like, I'll be honest, I mean, if you talk to some of my, you know, priest friends or, you know, other people, they'd be like, oh yeah, he couldn't wait to get done with seminary. Because I constantly was just like, I just want to go and do something. I can't, like, I'm tired, tired, tired of learning. Like, I just want to get out of the classroom. I was so excited to like go on internship and things like that. <clears throat> excuse me and it was just one of those things where it's like okay now I can do it use some of the skills but in it now all of a sudden I'm seeing how in doing stuff I'm learning so it's a fascinating kind of switch in my own life say but then always constantly saying like okay so how am I going to take this to my future ministry so it's just been that I don't know if that answered your question but it was something <laughs> no it's really good because the whole idea you're an experiential learner like discipline is an executing strength theme so your 34 strength themes fall into four categories executing relationship building, influencing, and strategic thinking. And so people heavy in strategic thinking themes probably want to stay in seminary forever. Like they love academic learning, but you're more of an experiential learning. You're learning it so that you can go and do something with it. And so, yeah. And another one of my themes is futuristic. And man, it, that's one of the challenges. I live in the future. Like everything I do in the present is about how is this going to affect me and, you know, affect what I'm doing in the future. So it's like, even goes yeah. back to that, right? So like what I'm doing now and learning now and, you know, in fulfilling now is affecting my future life. So it's just kind of, it's, but that's the basement going back. The basement futuristic, it's hard to live in the present moment and right. recognize, I think just kind of bringing it back is I tell myself, God is present to me right here, right now in the future. He was present to me in the past and I can learn from it and he will be present to me in the future, but he's present to me in the moment and kind of living in that. Yeah, beautiful. And so as we learn about our strengths, um, what have you learned about the areas that you probably would need some help if you were to be, a, if you were a pastor tomorrow and you were going to bring people around you, what set of strengths or what charism would you want to partner with? Because you'd think they, they're going to make me better. Yeah, no. Um, I was looking at the 34 strengths when we, we had a little uh, spiritual staff day yesterday. We we're going through them. And my bottom ones, like, I think my second to bottoms, like, woo, which is, you know, and, and my influence. Winning others over. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, those influence 
influencing strengths are uh, you know some lacking in my in my strengths mm. for sure and I could see I can see that in my own life like it's definitely one of those things where I I'm more focused on the organization or on goals or the problems really like you yeah. look at the problems and how are we going to fix problems but the problem is is people aren't problems to be fixed usually it's usually in relationships so uh, it's fascinating being on this team here at St. John the Evangelist we have one uh, one person on the team Louie shout out to Louie Kane is super high in the relationship strengths and so partnering with him with like the RCA stuff and with some of the other young adult things like wow it's amazing to see the two of us work together because we're complementing each other's strength so I think like looking at the future and still being very new to all this is like I think I need to make sure I have people on that team that really uh, see other people as individuals and all that stuff because I'm going to look more on the, the 30,000 foot view, if yes. you know what I mean. Yeah, I love that. Now, I'm the same way. I know in my own life, I realize I love having people around me who have empathy because I'm so goal oriented and driven and I'm just so passionate and excited. Sometimes my passion, excitement and goal orientation can bowl people over and I don't notice because I'm so focused on what's possible and people with empathy are able to, to say, Ron, uh, did you know you hurt Betty? Uh, she's really upset with you right now. And, and I'm blind to it. And they're able to say, yeah, this is what happened. And this is how she's feeling. And I'm so grateful for it because I don't do it on purpose. And so it allows me to go talk to Betty, apologize, ask for forgiveness, restore that relationship, and then to continue to try to grow in sensitivity of my impact on others because it's not always what I think it is. <laughs> isn't that that's a great example of just like the blind spots we have and i think like just like kind of going with that it's i can almost see at times like the strengths give me a language and a way to structure like my thoughts because i've always like the people who are over like i would say overly concerned with other people's feelings right so like empathy is one of my low ones woo is one of my like so some of these i sit here and i'm thinking like why is this person like care or like and so then I start putting them down because it's like, I don't They're see that. Soft. Yeah, I don't see it as a value. So in doing this, it's like, no, no, no. Like, it's a, bl- a huge blind spot for you. And you need to really, you know, grow in that, you know, try to grow in it in some ways, but also have other people that you can bring around you to help see that. And I think sometimes I can see it as like, oh, well, because they're so, you know, they view the world so differently. Like, I'll just like, I don't need them on my team. Like, that's a danger because they don't think like me. Oh, that's so wise. That is so wise. And I'm hoping that as people are listening to this, this just doesn't apply to, to new priests. It just doesn't apply to pastors. If you're in any form of leadership at all, and that's in the secular world or in the church, I'm telling you, these principles are so helpful because you can give dignity back to people and you can own your judgment and that cynical nature that can creep up in us when we don't understand people or how they're made. Because diversity is God's plan, not ours. Right. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Right. And it's like because of how individual God created each one of us that we see the diversity immediately if we kind of look into it. You should share the story about the star crosses. That's a great little thing you, yeah, you, you know, we ran into. It's so beautiful because here at St. John the Evangelist, they have star crosses. It's a cross with a star in the middle. <laughs> they call them star crosses. At their other location, they have two locations and the original location, they have them. And so one of the parishioners, Put together a ton of them for this new church so that there would be some familiarity. But one of the ways, one of the ways I've heard Clifton Strength Finders and the APEST assessment discussed is that, you know, because you're only likely 
to find one, you know, if to find one person with your same top five strength themes in the same order, the chances of that happening are one in 33 million. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. It's that small. That's <laughs> <laughs> crazy. And so therefore, it just tells you how unique you are, just like every star in the sky is different. And so in essence, you're a star. And Clifton Strength Finders gives you a language to find out what kind of a star you are. But then the APEST assessment is like your charisms, your, your ministry charisms. And it's almost like, okay, you're a star, and where do you fit in the constellation that is the church? Mm, yeah. And that can be a helpful way to look at it. And so then I started thinking about all these star crosses all over your church as representing the individual nature of each person that shows up to worship. And I just think that's so cool. Yeah, no, actually, it was funny because, and I was thinking about this morning. So we have confession. Uh, we hear confessions from 8 to 9 on Saturday morning. And I was going over to get in the confessional, hear confessions. And at the end of the pews there, there was a star cross. And I immediately thought about, like, how individual and like, especially in confession, right? It's such a personal individual experience. Like we have the sacrament of confession, but when all of a sudden like you come in, it's individual to you. And so like, really like all of a sudden it just hit me like, wow. Yeah. We're all together as a body of Christ, right? We're all made in the image of God, but like how unique and just being able to, when I enter into that confessional, really experience the uniqueness of each person in their struggle, but also in their joy. And like mm -hmm. just those moments in which God has blessed them. That is beautiful. That's an incredible application for what you're learning in terms of your vocation and the uniqueness of it and things that only priests can do. And I just, I just love that. So as we wrap up, I'm thinking to myself, what's your hope for yourself? Like in the next five years in your priesthood, what's your hope for yourself? And Yeah, no, that's a great question because I think so often the question is like, where do you want to be in five years? Right? Like in the, in the secular world, like in the world of corporate America, right? We say like, where's that next step for me? And like, oh, it's, it's because I'll be a pastor. It's like, but like within the reality of the church, like it's really trying to be able to let go of some of those things and trust in the movements of the spirit, like through the bishop and other things. But it doesn't take away from the fact that there is a drive for, you know, the next thing. I think for myself, it's that drive to really learn right now at St. John's and to implement what I'm learning. So a lot of things around like APES and around the, the Clifton strength and all these other things in which kind of form me to be hopefully an amazing leader or, you know, the best leader I can be <laughs> in the future and build those teams because I really see a desire in myself, but also a need in the church in order to have leadership in which we can really bring people close to Jesus Christ. So, you know, who knows what five years where I'll be or what I'm doing, but I hope it's using the gifts that God has given me and really coming to understand them better within myself, be able to use them for the benefit of the church, especially here in Northwest Indiana, the Diocese of Gary, and, uh, you know, for the greater church at large. Amen. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show today. I'm really looking forward to working with you closely over the next year and growing in friendship. We're going to have a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ron. It's great. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Thank you for being with us today. And if you would, please take the time to rate the podcast, share it on your social media, and add a comment. It's the very thing that feeds the algorithms to grow the podcast and ensure this reaches more people. Thank you for your engagement in your local parish and for your prayers. Remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. <laughs>